Hey, what's up, bookworms and bannermen? We are back again today because there be dragons here, guys. We are here to talk about HBO's House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spinoff, prequel series, whatever you want to call it. And I am joined by two of the faithful here. She is the Queen of the Andals, the protector of the Seven Kingdoms, and the mother of dragons, Madison Targaryen. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Probably not as good as the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, Sir Scott. How are you doing this evening? Fantastic. Everything's great. Yes, and again, I am in the Desert Kingdom of Houston, Texas, so you can call me unbowed, unbitten, unbroken. I am Sir Mike of House Martell. Guys, I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've actually kind of been planning this for quite a while, but we were also kind of like, well, let's kind of wait and see, you know, when traders drop, let's see how the excitement levels are and stuff like that. And I do feel like the excitement levels for this, I don't want to say they've been low as, as much as just been reserved. Because <laughs> people have been hurt, you know, and I understood that when I talked about, you know, why I think the show would be good. I've been like, look, if you were just saying that they just did you so dirty that you just don't want to trust them again, I get that. I get that. However, I will say with this most recent Comic-Con trailer that just dropped, a lot more people were saying like, okay, I'm going to check out the pilot at least, you know. So I feel like they did their job with the marketing. They've gotten people excited about it. So I think with us, we're going to kind of talk about that. We're going to talk about things that we're excited about, things that maybe we're concerned about, all this stuff. Don't really have a real, you know, to-do list here, but we're just going to kind of talk about it because when we start the actual episodes, guys, we'll just be breaking down the episodes. This is just going to kind of be previewing the show and how excited we are. So, Scott, scale of one to ten, how excited are you? Uh, I mean, I've been an eleven since it was announced. So it's coming to eleven I, already. I, I, you know, I've been excited since I knew who the showrunners were. I've been excited since I knew Jawadi was doing the score. I'm excited that George is super involved and very, very proud of the project. Uh, it's it's gonna take a lot for me to hate this thing. I'll just say it that way. It's very very likely I will be very very positive. Well, Matt, uh, it's hard to top at eleven. But how are you feeling? <laughs> I mean, I I like to like some people are like you know you know I'll you have to earn my trust and I'll, no I'm kind of like the opposite. Like I'll go all in until yeah. you hurt me. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll let you hurt me a few more times before I learn my lesson. I'm Michael Scott on this one. Like, I'm ready to be hurt again. So, yeah. 10. Yeah, I'm in. I'll probably say 9 just because, you know, I don't want to set up such high expectations that it's going to be a disappointment no matter what. I feel like I do kind of have somewhat of a similar excitement as I did about the first season of Game of Thrones because, you know, it was a property that's very dear to me. But besides Lord of the Rings, fantasy hadn't really been adapted very well. <laughs> So I was kind of, I was just kind of keeping those expectations tempered with this. Um, I was already excited somewhat when we got the first, uh, I think it was like a minute and a half long trailer. I was a little more excited about that. I mean, obviously I love Matt Smith, so I was going to watch it regardless because that's my doctor. But uh, when it was, when he had these things where George R.R. R. Martin was saying, he was talking to him and he was saying that when usually when someone adapts a book, you'll hear him say, oh, we're going to make it our own. And he's like, I've never been a fan of that. You know, if you want to adapt something that you love, you loved it for a reason and adapt it like that. So he said it was very important to him to find someone who loved his books. And that is like audible Viagra to me to hear things like this, because that means, <laughs> okay, being faithful to the source material is your number one priority. Now, I don't need a page for page adaptation. Guys, you can go back and look at the Game of Thrones. Even when it was really, really faithful, it wasn't page for page. It's pretty close, but it wasn't page for page. But just knowing that they love little things like, you know, just like I kind of talked about with the, the scene of, of, of Daemon with the crown and stuff that just you can see those pictures in World of Ice and Fire and see that they're putting those on the screen. Little tiny things like some of the costuming, some of the stuff you see in the background. It's just like, OK, they were watching these little tiny Easter eggs things that, you know, are there for fans. That's what makes me think, OK, Ryan Condal. Sapochnik, I can never say his name right, Scott. You seem to have it You down. said it exactly right, Miguel Sapochnik. Miguel Sapochnik. And yeah. I can't say the composer's name. Ramin Jawadi. Ramin Jawaldi. Jawadi. Okay, yeah. Jawaldi. Vivaldi. We got him involved. Uh, obviously, <laughs> watching that new trailer just made me say, oh, my God, this just it just has this look that just makes every other fantasy show that we've had that's trying to be the next game of thrones you look at this and you go hey i found the next game of thrones it's the next <laughs> game of thrones right and it's just something about this aesthetic aesthetic that hbo uses 
that just makes you feel like you're being whisked away to another world while the others to me just look like actors on a set in costumes. This actually looks almost like historical documents of real shit. And that's what makes it so special to me. So yeah, my expectations are super, super high just because of how much George is really championing this. Cause I don't feel like he would, because you can see he backed off. He backed off there once uh game of Thrones went away from, you know, well, his books didn't exist yet, but you know I'm saying? You could tell that he kind of backed off uh, and not just because of the negative reaction, just, I mean, for the last like three seasons, he really kind of zipped his lip. I think his relationship with D and D was really, really damaged after about season four or five. It was, it was, you could tell like things were not good in paradise. So I don't think he'd really be putting his balls out there and saying how great he thinks this is. He's seen nine of the 10 episodes. He said his rough cuts. So, you know, all the special effects were done. He's just like blown away by it. So, that's awesome to me. That's all I need to hear. You got the creator behind it. And not like in a Stephen King way. It's like, oh, yeah, it's great. Whatever. Go see it. You know, and it's, you know <laughs> basically at this point, if Stephen King says he likes a movie, of an adaptation, one of his adaptations, you're like, it's probably going to suck. Man. But again, <laughs> this, I, I feel like having George's stamp of approval on this is not just, you know, please watch this. Please give us another chance. I don't think he'd be saying that if he didn't truly believe it. So that's what's got me at a nine, but I can easily be swayed to a 10, especially after reading, rereading fire and blood this past, uh, this past month. So let's talk about a little fire and blood here and how that's going to kind of pertain to the show. Guys, we're not going to spoil anything. We're just going to kind of talk about the segment that they're adapting here, the dance of dragons, which I, I, I okay, look, let's get it out there. Who wanted Aegon the conqueror for this season? I mean, so uh, I think it would be very, very cool. There's some stuff in there that would be great. I don't think dialogue wise and politic wise and that kind of stuff, there's a lot there, um, which isn't a bad thing, but I think it would be relying on the writers to do some heavy lifting. I think yeah. that it would be very cool visually. I don't know story wise that there's a lot there to just, you know, have the conquer come in and blast everything with Valerian. I don't, I don't know that that's a lot. So, well, I am obviously of House Martell now, and I'm a big supporter of Dorne. I feel like that for Dorne sure. has one of the best storylines because you guys won't know this. Dorne was the only kingdom to not bend the knee to Aegon the Conqueror. Never did. Great. Never yeah. did. You know, Dan and Dave killed Dorne in one episode, but you know, the Targaryens <laughs> couldn't do it in 30 years. So, I'm just saying. Correct. Yeah. I, I was definitely one who wanted to start with Aegon's conquest in theory because, you know, like, like Scott is like publication order always. I was just like chronological timeline always. But that was before I read this. And I knew about the Dance of Dragons. I knew about, I knew about all these historical events from reading this. But mm-hmm. once I got the full story reading this, I do agree with the choice to start where they're starting. Just because I think it has way more intrigue. And you're getting yep. characters that... You're going to get attached to these characters really easily. And what's so cool about it is, I mean, Mike, you mentioned this in your video that came out today where you kind of broke down the trailer, but there's not a set group of good guys. There's not set villains. Like there's going to be some people who are, of course, more villainous than others and some that the audience is going to lean towards rooting for. But there's no clear cut. Like there's going to be people who relate to the greens and the blacks. And there's going to be people who, you know, want to see Rhaenyra on the crown and then there's going to be people who just you know they really see it the other way and i think that's perfect for television because there's nothing i love more than a really well crafted family drama and a really well crafted political drama and this is both plus it has like 14 dragons so yeah it has everything you need for good tv and so honestly if it sucks at this point that's on them because the source material is there and it's very very good Okay, well, here's my deal. When I first got this, the guys know I was just insane about this world. Always have been. I took a day off work when this came out because I was so excited about this. I was still reading not a blog every single time he did an update. I even read his terrible ones about New York Jets football. Okay, (laughs) that's how obsessed I was with following this stuff. So I took the day off work to read this, and I had always wanted this full detail of Aegon's Conquest. So, of course, I've always wanted that. However, I will say upon rereading Fire and Blood, definitely better suited for TV than Aegon's Conquest would be. Now, I do think, say that this is a big hit. I can say they've said that Aegon's Conquest is on the table. 
I think that, that could be done in a season. I really do think they could do that in one season because a lot of it is just going to be war, you know, and dragons melting. Shot. <laughs> I just want to see dragons melt hair and hull. Okay. I just want to see that. That'd be, great. That'd be great. I will admit it, but I do think that this is better suited for TV. But I talked about saying that like, unlike the original series is I don't think that there's going to be characters really that's uh, that people necessarily consider good guys. I do think you'll have people taking sides. You will mm-hmm. have, you know, your, your, your grays, your blacks, as you kind of put it, people taking sides like that. But I do think that this story is going to kind of be closer in vain to like a first law in character wise. And it is the, the original series because these are bad people. Like they are all pretty much bad people. I mean, I don't feel like there's, any of them. I mean, even the ones you think are like, the, okay, well, they're the most redeeming out of all. I mean, like, even like Jairus the first, he's got some warts too, right? I mean, everybody's <laughs> got some warts and I'm just, just over the moon that we're going to get to see Jairus the first in this show. I did not know that was going to happen until I saw that picture. Even if it's just for one episode, I think that's really, really awesome. So I knew where they were that. starting, so I'm not surprised that he's in it. Like I knew that was like, the, Oh, they're starting at one on one AC. Yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah, I guess you could see that. But guys, if you haven't read Fire and Blood, you should. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you. It does kind of read like a Wic- uh, Westeros Wikipedia page. It does. But I am going to review it and I am going to talk about it before uh, you know the show does come out. But uh, I do think that it will help you. If you want to go into the show completely surprised, I mean, hey, I understand that. But I'm saying if you've read the original books, I think you owe it to yourself to kind of go up and read yeah. this. And I will say it's a lot. It was a lot less dry than I was anticipating so I read it for the first time just recently, like I finished it this month and I was kind of expecting it to be a, you know, like reading lamentations in the Bible or something, or just like, you know, Job, son of Jed, like going, and I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit of a chore. Like, I know I love this world and I know I love George, but I'm going to read this so I can check it off the box before I watch the show. But I really, really enjoyed it. And I just thought that it managed to be very, very entertaining and like kept my attention, even though it is a history book. Mm-hmm. I yeah, had a great time the great. first time. I had an even better time this time. So it was good. Yeah, same. I said I, I did admit that I was I was just being a, an ass and I was just grumpy that when uh, Fire and Blood came out that it wasn't Wins a Winner. You know, and I read it just a pissy mood. And then I was like, and then it's not even like in a narrative form. So I really almost like I hate read it, which was just unreal because like I said, this is my world. That's just how grumpy I was at the time. Uh, you know, the older you get guys, the more relaxed you become on these things. At least I think that I do. So I enjoyed it so much more this time. Look, this kind of a dry read. It is very much an encyclopedia. It is. It's great information. It really is. And the illustrations are amazing. And yeah, the stuff you learn is great. This is a little easier to read, I think. It is very much of, you know, like I said, like reading a Wikipedia page, which is very little dialogue unless it's like very famous lines, you know, that people say, like, which, by the way, come on. By the time the sun sets, your line will end. That's like the most boss line that anybody can say. I just, I guess I'm an Aegon Stan. I guess I just am the conqueror. I am. I'm just. And I like how they offer the different perspectives because, you know, there's a narrator who's telling you this. And it's saying, I'm going to tell you this version that came from this perspective, but I'm also going to tell you this version of the same story that came from a different perspective. And you, the reader, can decide which one was real. I mean, and I like that he does right? say that, but then he's also like, but this is the right one. He does no, no problems. Like, you know, hide, he doesn't hide his bias at all. I think that's neat. Yeah. You always got to trust Mushroom. He's the most trusted. Mushroom, yeah. <laughs> think we're gonna see mushroom on the show you know he is no, a dragonstone when when the dance starts so i don't i don't think they've cast mushroom i'm not sure but i, well, I think that would be a i really feel like this first season they're going to kind of go up until right before the civil war starts and i think that's, mm-hmm. that's what this first season is but i i guess that's a good way to kind of talk about some concerns i have for the show now this is not for me i'm talking about for casuals is if you watch those later seasons of Game of Thrones, they kind of did get summer blockbustery a little bit with the explosions and the battles and all that stuff. And I, I, I kind of think that that attracts like the MCU viewer kind of crowd, the short attention span crowd. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, that, that is a very real thing, guys, is if you can't watch a show where they talk for 45 minutes without getting your phone and scrolling through it, you might be a short attention span viewer. It's not really an insult. It's just a kind of thing. I do it too, guys. It happens to all of us. I am worried that this show is going to be way more politicky, way more politicky. And this first season is going to be a slow, slow burn that I am worried that it will have a lot of people. I, yeah. I mean, as book readers, we're going to love it. We're going to be all about it. But I'm worried about the casuals 
just being that's like, fair. oh, it's just it's boring. It's not as good as Game of Thrones. Boring. You know, that's what I'm afraid it's going to happen here. Do you have those concerns? I think that, and I'm concerned about the names being very, very similar among the Targaryens. I think that's going to be a problem. Watch with <laughs> subtitles on, guys. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> when um, in doubt, his name is probably Aegon. <laughs> 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 no, I, I can see that. Um, I guess I just never thought of it because to me, the dialogue was what I was there for. Like mm-hmm. that Game of Thrones had some of the most iconic scenes that could be seven or eight minutes long, which in TV, like seven or eight minutes is a huge chunk of your episode. Yeah. That was literally just Tywin talking or Tyrion talking. Mm-hmm. And like, I can still remember the way I felt the first time I listened to Tywin talking while he was skinning it buck like a badass in his camp mm. and i was just like so he's good. just talking and i love it she slightly had a crush on tywin you guys she's not gonna had, i had so to me the dialogue was always one of the major selling points and 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 the political intrigue and like you know the backstabbing and the, like those conversations you know ned and cersei in the courtyard like that's mm-hmm. what i'm there for so but again just like when i read books it's always character work and dialogue that's what i'm there for everything else is secondary so i that thought never really crossed my mind but you, you, you could be onto something because i i took this source material and went like oh my gosh there's going to be so many epic moments where they're just like staring at each other and talking. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so I'm saying big time fans of the books, I think are really going to like that. Or I just keep thinking back to when I was trying to convince people to watch Game of Thrones when this first season was on. And they would be like, I gave it like three episodes. It was just so boring. I, I quit. And I'm like, you're a moron, you know? <laughs> but again, again, I, I just, I worry about that with this is that people are going to go into it wanting like peak Game of Thrones, you know, like season four Game of Thrones. And they're going to go to this and be like, this is very slow. Like, guys, I, the first season, I think there might be three action scenes. I mean, they might amp up a little bit on the War of the Stepstones. I think that'll kind of be like their action set piece kind of thing. And they'll mm-hmm. flash some dragons at you, you know, sure. things like that to kind of keep your attention. But you think back to that first season of Game of Thrones where it was really just a, a mystery. You know, it was just trying to figure out a mystery. It wasn't heavy action. And it still was able to grab people. So I'm just, I'm hoping that people can go into it, this approach of knowing this isn't like when shit really popped off on Game of Thrones. This is really setting the stage. And it, it, when this, when the, the director is saying this is going to be a different show, I think that's what he means is that this is very much about more politics than it is more, you know, on the battlefield. And yeah. There's going to be a lot of stabbing, guys. There's going to be a lot of stabbing. There's a lot of dead. One thing about a Targaryen is if they live past 30, it's amazing. Okay, so there's lots <laughs> of killing. Not wrong. Very correct. So I, I'm not saying you're, if you're just there for the body count, you're still probably going to get that quite a bit. But I'm just saying that it's, I, I am concerned. That's my primary concern is. Do you think that people will be, again, I don't want to be a spoiler, but do you think that people will be disappointed that there's less, I don't want to call it magic, but like we like that opening scene in, in Game of Thrones immediately sets up the White Walker storyline. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we have this like, oh, my God, are these zombies? Like, are they, you know, are they from the past? Are they from the future? Like, what is going on? Like, why are they, you know, like it immediately sets up this huge mystery. And maybe it's like even like, is it supernatural, paranormal? Like it has that like that underlying storyline of more magic, like that makes you think ma- magic used to be more prevalent in the world. And now it's like making a comeback. Like, there is that whole underlying storyline. And so I wonder if people are going to be disappointed because I mean, there's really not much of that at all other than dragons aren't real. Like other than that, there's not a lot of uh, what I would call magic or, you know, anything that makes it a fantasy story mm-hmm. other than, other than dragons and the fact that it's, you know, a fantasy world. Do you think people will be disappointed by that? Or do you think that that was kind of a B plot enough that it won't affect? I want to think that people will go back to say, what was it that I loved about Game of Thrones? What was it when it was at its peak? What is it that I love? Is that I never knew what was going to happen next? It was always just so unexpected. I don't think anyone was like, Oh, because you know, that part where the wizards are fighting. And I don't feel like they were ever really like that, but, but even the people who really, Think back to it. Like, I didn't like the show for its big battles. I didn't like the show for its big explosions and dragons and stuff. I loved it because of the characters. So I think with this, it's just they got to make sure. I know there's a million of them and their names are all similar, 
but they've got to make a way to differentiate these characters. They've got to get people being like, look, am I team green or am I team black? They've got to Mm -hmm. find a way to do that. And I want to believe that they can, because I mean, like I said, I feel like this this Ryan Condell sounds like he's been there longer than you and I have, Scott. We've been there since Mm -hmm. 2000. He was there right before us. So he knows this world inside. He said, basically, these books were like his inspiration for becoming a screenwriter. And this is his dream job. I don't feel like he's going to shit the bed on it in that regard. So you got to work on the characters. And and also, I think that the characters themselves are pretty distinct. It's just that their names can be like almost interchangeable. Well, sometimes. you think back to the first season of Game of Thrones, people who hadn't read it were like, there's just so many characters, you know? And it's like, just give it some time and yeah. you'll figure it out, you know? It helps yeah. to have the little timelines that they're, they're the family the family trees they got in the back of these guys. But by the <laughs> way, the Targaryen family tree will probably confuse you even more. <laughs> so, it goes sideways a lot. And that's the thing about this, guys. Uh, there's going to be lots of incest. If the incest stuff bothers you in Game of Thrones, you haven't seen nothing yet. Nope. Just put it out there, so... There might be some it factor involved. But on that same thing, it's like if if like the incest and like the keeping the, the bloodlines pure, if that really, really bothers you, also don't read any history book because that will <laughs> trigger you as well. And again, I know that this isn't real, but like he pulls from you know, real world history and all of his inspiration, setting up his family trees and setting up, you know, the wars and the conflicts he was pulling from history. So you know, is it is it relatable or pleasant to watch or read sometimes? Not always. Um, things about anything, you know, abuse and rape, incest and, you know, violence, all of those things aren't supposed to be comfortable to watch, but it's supposed to kind of, you know, remind us of where we came from because, you know, we used to be savages, you guys, like, and uh, I just, I, to me, it makes it feel more realistic, even though, <laughs> It is fantasy. I like my fantasy to feel plausible. And and that if we were comparing a, a timeline to our history, that would be very accurate. And I need that. Yeah, mm-hmm. our history with dragons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, not the dragons. That, that, would, that, would, that would change some things. So, uh, yeah, I think that what you asked about, like, there being like a lack of magic. I don't know. Like I said, I think if people take a step back and say, what was it I loved about Game of Thrones? I think they'll like the more grounded approach if they just are patient with it. I just want... I know I said that they're, they're going to you're going to have a lot of people that will tune into the pilot. And if they aren't blown away, they say they're going to quit. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but I think you'll have a higher likelihood of that. But then it'll be kind of a thing of, uh, you know, word of mouth. If, if they hear down the road, oh, it got really, really good. People will go back. I think they'll give it a chance. Look, I think people want to like this. They do. People who love so. others, they want to like this. They they. They just aren't ready to be heard again, maybe massive. Maybe that's how they, they say they aren't ready to be heard again. A lot of people on Twitter and stuff, they're like, well, I watched it the 10th time and I, I feel like it's okay now. I feel yes. like. Yeah, so this trailer did its job. Like it got a lot of people that were saying, just being completely dismissive of it, saying, okay, yeah, I think that uh, that looks pretty good. So yeah, that was a really good trailer. It, it was really well it done. Was. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes they made was announcing all of these um, prequel show ideas like immediately after game of thrones ended like we were still like looking around at each other like what what did i just watch like why did they do that to me like why has nobody arrested dan and dave yet (laughs) like like we were still like i was in shock and then they're like by the way we're gonna do this show and this show and this show aren't you excited and we're like fuck you we're not excited I want you to go back in time and fix what you did. And I think that was a big mistake was like, it was so, dis- it felt dismissive. It was like, oh, you don't like it. That's fine. Don't worry. We're making more. I don't want more. I want you to apologize. And so I think that idea. was a mistake was like, and like pushing it on, like, announcing it and like giving all these teasers like three years ago. And just now to the point where I'm like, all right, I'll take some more, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, they still have a ton of shows planned. Like I have no interest in the Jon Snow show. Uh, because again, you don't have George with me guys. If you have actual source material from George, I'm interested in it. If you're making it up, I'm not really that interested. I don't care if George is a lead writer on it. Uh, I want him to write the books. That's why I, I say I don't care. But anyway, uh <laughs> It's going to come up, guys, that George doesn't write the books anymore. It's going to come up more than once, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but that doesn't change anything about this because people are like, oh, well, they're starting a, a series based off another unfinished book. The part that they're adapting is complete, guys. This goes all That's the way true. through Aegon the Third. So I think you're covered there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want Blood and Fire just as much as Winds of Winter. Just 
just to throw that out there. No, 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 no. I'm not ready to <laughs> go do. that far, but uh, I, do. I, I do want it. Yeah. But uh, it, you're asking me, George, which one are you working on today? Eh, how about you start on that one that starts with a W? I'm, 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 I'm more in favor. <laughs> yeah, of that. I, I would not say that my anticipation or, or excitement level for them are equal, but I would definitely not complain if I got blood and fire sooner rather than later. But it's not what I hope he's spending his evenings typing out right now. <laughs> he's actually been pretty talkative lately about stuff. Yes. That's yes. cool. Yeah, I like that. It makes me think. I don't know. I, I want to believe that this show has got him like rejuvenated, you know, because so. he's not deaf, guys. He heard everything that was said after the show ended and stuff. And I'm sure that brought him down a little bit, you know, pair that with a pandemic where no one was in a good mood. Right. <laughs> so I can understand, you know, this feels like maybe hopefully this is rejuvenating him, but I, I we're gonna go down a rabbit hole. We talk about it. Is, is he still writing was a winner or not? Uh, <laughs> what are you ex- most excited about? For me, it's just to see some of these other things that have been referenced in the main books all the time that have happened in the past. That you always hear about getting to see some of these things, get to see when dragons were just like quite common to see, you know, younger versions of some of these houses and stuff. I'm really excited to see more House Hightower, you know, because it's always something mm-hmm. I was always interested in, never got really a ton of. So uh, I think the, the actor that plays uh, Allison and Otto are both just look awesome on screen. So I haven't looked at one casting and been like, oh, I hate that yet. And that's yeah. very exciting. About the only thing I can say aesthetically that I don't like is the wigs for the uh, Valerians. They look like mop tops, but... I can let that go. I can. And I don't get that. Like I see girls on Instagram with wigs that I'm like, why can't they get those on TV? <laughs> like she put that on in five seconds. And it looks like her real hair. Like this is a wig. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's like every show, like not just Game of Thrones, like every show that comes out. I'm like, where are you buying your wigs? Like a janitor's closet or something. So uh, I agree that the wigs have me a little confused, but again, it's not enough to like, affect my enjoyment but it is kind of confusing um but come back to me on what i'm what i'm most excited about well i think when you talk about like the costuming though i think the costuming is so amazing that it makes you forget about them who cares about it with me the tar the targ wigs look okay they look fine they don't look show breaking me i think a lot of that is you're used to seeing like you know matt smith doesn't have white blonde hair you know it, that's just kind of hard for some people to accept yeah. kind of like watching uh what Rosamund Pike, when you know she's got blonde hair and then she's got black hair on, on Wheel of Time, it's just like, I can't get used to that. It doesn't look right. So I think a little bit more of that with me when it comes to Targaryens. But uh, I think that Rhaenyra's wig looks great. Young young Rhaenyra's wig looks great. So uh, I want to talk about the, the the actors and actresses here. The fact that they are casting younger versions of Alicent and Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and older versions. And they did a really great on paper casting job of like, some scenes you don't even know which one's which, especially Allison. Like I was like, is that the young version? Is that the younger version? Perfect, perfect. So great job by the casting department here. I'm really, really excited about that. And the fact that we're not going to do flashbacks, we're actually going to do a time jump. I'm in favor of that because I don't think that this show, just going off of like the Game of Thrones method, I don't like the idea of using flashbacks. I think yeah, it'll the only be thing casting wise without like. Oh, sorry, Mads. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, I think, I think things are confusing enough. I think a linear timeline is perfect. Start from the beginning and go through linear. Yeah, now you want to do some crazy three-eyed raven shit, you can do that later. You know, once everybody knows who and where everything is, you don't do that at the beginning of the show. That right. really, you got this many characters, you don't want to make too many timelines. In terms of what I'm most excited about, it really is that relationship between Alicent and Rhaenyria and how it develops over time, because that is really everything, right? Are, are, so, you, are you team black or are you team green, Scott? You can tell us. Uh, black, probably. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have a, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not like going to stand one way or the other, but. I'm team uh, Christian Cole, it, baby, because I like anybody that got some morning star. I love me some morning. She star. was, uh, well, I won't go to spoil reasons, but I, I've got a reason, but I'm not like hardcore. Oh, so you're black. All right. I'm fervently team black. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. For real, between those two, yeah, I'm probably leaning black, but I but I do love Otto Hightower, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, there'll definitely be something. It'll be one of those, like, we were watching a show the other day where Matt said, he's like, you know, I know this person should be the one we're rooting against. And he goes, and I hope that they do, you know, lose in the end. But man, the writing is so good that you just don't really want to see them lose either. I think even if, you know, 
when people decide, are they team green, team black, they're still going to be able to relate to the other side or see their points or yep. kind of be like, I want my team to win, but at the same time, like, just don't kill them. Like they were just, cause everyone thinks that they're doing the right thing. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, usually the villain doesn't think they're the villain. <laughs> so right. this is a great example of how they really did balance. Like, well, there were legitimate claims and they both really had their reasons for, for pushing it as far as they did. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people that don't read Grimdark Fantasy don't really understand is like when I did my favorite Song of Ice and Fire characters and I had Tywin Lannister on there, people are like, yep, oh, he's yeah. awful, he's awful of a person. I'm like, that makes him a great character. Maybe I'm just used to those gray or darker characters that, you know, I can just admire those yeah. things about them. It doesn't mean I'm, in real life, I would say that's a good person. I'm just saying, I think that's an amazing character and I want to see more of that. And I think Daemon is an amazing character that you're going to hate to love, love to hate kind of thing. <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to make you want to pick sides. It'll be interesting to me to see how much they talk about prehistory because I think I could spoil this because you know, it's not part of the main narrative, but they don't want him to become king in the deal because they think it's the second Magor the Magor. Cruel. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they even talk about Magor or if they... I think Otto will because Otto is very vocal about saying that he thinks that Daemon is going to be uh, just uh, basically Magor the second basically right. you know so that that's really like says his first job as hand of the king his second job is do whatever it takes to keep him off the throne you know <laughs> so, so, that's why he says go get that dragon egg he's like you know he's excited to go get that dragon egg i think but uh i don't know we shall see so did you decide what you're most excited about yet yeah and i don't want to sound too cliche but i really do think seeing that many dragons on screen is i can't stop thinking about it and not just seeing the dragons but learning more about the 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 dragon eggs and like where they come from like how they incubate what the what the targaryen uh connection to the eggs is because really with with daenerys it was a it was a fluke like these eggs have been petrified for 100 years and she was just ready to crawl up on that pyre and just be like we're going we're going out in flames mm -hmm. and like that was a a non-typical hatching of dragons and i think it's gonna be really cool for people to understand like the bond between you know starting when they're children with their eggs and you know how they bond with the dragons and how the dragon you know chooses a rider i'm really excited for all of that that lore to be you know explained to everybody and then really just i mean just seeing the dragons like seeing big dragons and sunfire like I, lots and lots of color different colorful dragons and and where they pull the riders from. And I'm just really excited to see that. Cyrax and Caraxes, all these dragons. Mm -hmm. awesome. I love that they got saddles because like I said, I can imagine it's hard to ride a dragon without a saddle, but uh, I've also heard they're going to have a bearded dragon. That's something I can't wait to see. But look, guys, we're fantasy fans. We want to see dragons. No one's going to think, yeah. oh, you're only watching this for the dragons. It's a good damn reason. I mean, I love <laughs> the dragons. You know, it's not the only reason, dragons. but. And, and uh, some of them got four legs. I like that too. Four leg dragons, you know. That's a real dragon, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You only have two legs. That's that's not a dragon. Wyvern. Yeah, wyvern. <laughs> so there we go. All right. So we're gonna get really nerdy on you when it comes to dragons. So I'm very very excited about them, and I love that. The, There's eight main species of dragons. I can break them down. <laughs> the part where you see in the trailer where Daemon's like holding uh Crax's like snout, and you can tell it just it almost looks like Jurassic Park, yeah, like the original yeah. Jurassic Park, where you can tell that they're using like you know, actual practical effects as well as, you know, some CG, obviously you got to do the real CGI when you'd like the big shots and the flying and stuff, but it just shows me that they're really putting the time into this. So on paper, this is already better than game of Thrones season one because of the budget, it just comes down to the writing now. Right. For sure. And I, I like that, that, that scene that you pointed out, um, the tournament the tourney and the melee, how, in in Game of Thrones season one, it looks like that scene from A Knight's Tale, where it's like eighty people in the scenes, and they're like have their little green flags and stuff. And then when you see it on the trailer, I'm like, that's what a funny story like. about that is. I was writing for a let's just say a, a media outlet that I didn't leave on good terms with, so I'm not gonna give them the free press. Anyway, I was writing for them at the time, and uh, I got access to go see the first two episodes of game of thrones like six months before it came out obviously i was the only one on the planet apparently who had even heard of this because when i went there i was like oh great me and my wife were like i get to bring her with me i get to be, to be like okay we're gonna meet other song of ice and fire fans everyone there was like i have no idea what this is it was just you yeah. know it's part of the job you know i got to come here and do this so we're all excited about it and the whole time we're like just bantering back and forth about everything that's just like awesome or whatever and uh yeah there's just i forget where i was going with the story never mind <laughs> what are we talking about madison 
you could you could see some of the secret stuff in those first couple. Of oh, episodes. we were talking about the tourney. Oh, the tournament is where she comes. She leans over to me. She's a teacher. She leans over to me. And she goes, "There was more people at the pep rally this afternoon than at this <laughs> tournament." Right. <laughs> So we were loving just about everything. We're like geeking out, like, oh my God, look at the hound's helmet and shit like that. And then we're like, okay, why are there like 12 people at an event with the king? <laughs> and for the record, I do like that episode and those scenes. Like, there's good dialogue between like Peter and Sansa, and it's different from the books, but I like how they delivered it. And of course, there's the iconic like breastplate stretcher moment. Mm-hmm. And like, you get really good dialogue between Ned and Robert. And like, so like, it's a good episode, but you can tell they just didn't have the budget. Yeah. Like, they didn't have it there. And they did. Like, you looked at the costume in that first season. I was like, okay, there's like, you hadn't left Winterfell yet. And we're already like gawking at the costuming. You know, they got the actual like wolves and stuff for their, for their clothing. It just looks awesome, you know? And I think that the, that's a good way to talk about with this is you watch this trailer and immediately I'm just blown away by why can none of these other fantasy shows that have huge budgets? Lord of the Rings, most expensive. Produ- I don't know the exact budget for House of the Dragon, okay? But I'm willing to bet Rings of Power is at least double. Probably. Why does Rings of Power not look close to this when it comes to costuming? You the just look at like costumes. young, young Rhaenyra's dress. It's just like so intricate, so detailed. You can see like little things like little dragon teeth and stuff on her on her, mm-hmm. on her, on her black gown. I'm like this is amazing. It looks so realistic. It looks otherworldly. But then you watch these other shows. It's like yeah, it looks like somebody at Renaissance Festival. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand how they they. If just your get costume this. looks like a costume, you're not doing it right. Correct. Like, That's right. Kind of like if if you have to ask if someone's bag is a designer bag or a knockoff, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and there's a big difference between something that's trying to look like something and something that's authentic and subtle and classy. Like there's a big difference. And I think HBO has the the corner market on that. <laughs> I can't speak for Scott, but I know I hate it when someone calls me out on my fake designer handbag. So yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Time. <laughs> so, but yeah, the costume, just, I, I just kind of blown away with it in this trailer. It just, it just looks incredible. All of it. Beautiful. Everything else just seems like pretender, you know, and this seems like the King coming back, you know, blowing these doors open. And I'm sorry, if you think this is a coincidence that this is coming out two weeks before rings of power, you haven't ever worked in marketing. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. <laughs> like, Oh, oh you want to play, huh? Check this out. Check this out. Cause I mean, you go, you go through social media right now, which is not the real world, but I'm just saying that's what we got to use as like our template here. You go through social media, you know what? Just about everyone is making comparisons between these two shows, which you're going to do. And everyone's oh, yeah. like, wow, it already looks better than Rings of Power. And they're not just talking about aesthetically, you know? No. So it's just, it's just, you come for the king, you better not miss, right? Yep. So I know George has said he doesn't want them to feel like they're competing, but he said he hopes if they win six Emmys that this wins seven. I think he would kind of be fine with a route. I think he'd be quite fine with it. He yes, I want him to clean house at the Emmys. <laughs> I would be. It's like, look, I want all these fantasy shows to succeed. I'm definitely not like, okay, I'm standing there. Because look, these are my two favorite you know, fancy worlds ever yeah. are, are, are Westeros and Middle Earth here. So I would love for both of them to be great. But I am very excited for House of Dragon. Eh, really? I'm really more dreading Rings of Power. So I, I think that it's... Money more well spent for House of the Dragon so far. At least that's what I. In would general, say. I just want every fantasy show to do well, right? Even if I don't particularly like it, because it's better for the genre. Yeah, and that's and the only way we're gonna get more series, right? I mean, hey, yeah. Scott, we're never gonna get wrong with the Elderlings if these shows aren't success, right? I don't, I don't think it's adaptable. But if it were, I would like to see it. So, so a show that has fourteen dragons is adaptable, but a show that has a talking wolf isn't adaptable. I there. Doesn't we don't talk. need to go into the reasons why. It doesn't <laughs> need to be a hot episode. Okay. But there's most of it is internal conflict. Okay. I would yeah. be interested for you to put a video out on your channel, the Bald Booktuber guys. I'd be interested you to put out a channel video about why Realm of the Eldlings is unadaptable without spoilers, if you can do that. I think I could probably. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just not smart enough to adapt it, but I just, I don't know that it translates well. That's all I'm saying. Because, I mean, I grew up all, all my life saying Lord of the Rings is not adaptable, and that completely blew me away. And I actually thought this was more adaptable, this book, because at the time I was like, yeah, you got three dragons. You can kind of keep them off screen. You know, you don't have to show the dire wolves. You just kind of say that they were there or, or do tricks of the camera or something like that. I mean, that's what they did the last couple episodes is just said they were there. That was a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because honestly, when 
you but like 10 years before game of thrones came out we couldn't fathom the type of cgi that we would be getting in the, you know in the 2010s like it we went so far with cgi capabilities like it went from being like kind of cringy and like whoa guys what are you doing with jar jar beans like no no more cgi like it was it was it was ugly for a while and then it got really good and so like we're definitely where it's come since then it's just it blows me away like we were talking about rings of power like i'm i i mean i'm i'm gonna watch it still i hope i love it but if nothing else like the things that they've accomplished cgi wise with these sceneries and everything is just incredible so this is an amazing time to be adapting things so i'm with scott like i want everything even if i don't personally love everything i'm rooting for everything to be successful because there are other fantasy series that i would love to see adapted and we need for the you know the the casual viewer to be all on board too so whatever it takes to get everybody on our side but also leave me like leave my properties alone like <laughs> like the i would say don't do whatever it takes like you got to stay true to what makes it so amazing and mm -hmm. when you do that when you tell a good story like people will follow yeah I agree. so what do you guys think about the the new version of the throne them trying to do what they can to make see the thing is is like they are still beholden to the original show for continuity's yeah. sake because i did hear some claims right. oh man i thought that they were going to have the targaryens with purple eyes and i was like and then that would make everything that daenerys did in in, in the new series or the current the first series seem yeah. weird what happened to her eyes you know so i, I get that but this is like it didn't bother me a ton i understand what they're trying to do just make it this make it look different like you can tell there's something different going on in there i kind of mm -hmm. did want to do the canon you know, one with the stairs going up to it and what like that, and say that hey, okay, maybe when the when the when the when the Baratheons took over, they just you know just scaled it down a little bit. But again, I little things like that. I mean, they're they're trying, they're trying, yeah. even though if it doesn't make sense because King's Landing wasn't built yet, why would a dragon be melting swords all over the stairs? But again, these things don't bother me. They don't bother <laughs> me. I'm a nerd, guys, but I'm not. I'm not going to hold. I, I don't like that. I'm not that time. Not the flip tables over little tiny changes. I, Tom Bombadil yeah. not being in Lord of the Rings don't bother me. Things like that. Little things. Lady Stoneheart bothered me a little bit, but I got over it. You know, you can make little changes, and I'm fine with that when it comes to adaptation, as long as your story stays true. And uh, just how excited George is about this, it just gets me more and more excited about it, because I know if it wasn't faithful, he probably would be putting his face on it. He would have distanced yeah. himself already if he didn't think this was the real thing. So I'm, yeah. With George talking so much about how great this is and, how great Ryan is, and he's a big Sapochnik fan. Like everything leads me to believe all systems are go. So I'm excited. All right. So, what's your favorite sword on the show, and why is it Dark Sister? I mean, there's not a ton to choose from. Just right? that Blackfire, right? Yeah. We have Blackfire and Dark Sister. Dark Sister's got the cooler names. So. Dark Sister's is an awesome name. That's like something from like a, an old like Iron Maiden album or something. I love it. I love it. And the fact that uh, Vicenia, one of the original badasses uh, of Westeros, and that's the thing about this, guys, is uh, a lot of people felt like the, a lot of the female characters were kind of marginalized on the original show. It's not going to be the case with this one. You're going to have some really, really awesome ladies on this show, and I'm excited sure. to see excited to yeah. see that. And uh, yeah, uh, the actress that plays Allison. Uh, if you're watching this, you can definitely drop in my messages, and I will <laughs> definitely answer them if my wife says it's okay. And, and Madison, did you did you any of the new gentlemen? I know you're really concerned about the good-looking gentlemen on the show. Uh, besides Graham McTavish, are, are you... well, I will say, I didn't say that I was only concerned about the gentlemen. Not only, but you're just so you know, I was also speaking of ladies. Um, <laughs> I. Here's the thing. I will come around because this happens with every show I watch. I'll start out first and be like, oh, no, no one's really that cute. But then when I get to know their personalities, I'm like, I love them all. I have crushes on everybody. Yeah, because I don't like, think anyone like, looks at Charles Dance and says, oh, yeah, that's my dude. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the uh, power, right? But like, it happened with, like, Lost, Sons of Anarchy. Like, I'll start a show and be like, nobody's cute. I don't like this. And then, like, two episodes in, I'm like, that's my husband. Like, <laughs> I need to get to know their personalities. And I know the characters, but like, their personalities will come through with the actors and their portrayal. So I fully expect to have like five crushes after two episodes. I had something like that. Uh, a woman, let's just say she's a, she's a masculine, handsome woman. Uh, it's not really one that you would call like a looker. And she's got the voice of someone who started like chain smoking. 
when they were first out of the gra- out of the cradle. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the, the, the lady who plays uh, Christian as a Basarala on the expanse. Oh yeah. Not what anyone would think on paper. It would be someone that I'm into, but it's the, the character and the way that she portrays the character, the power, her attitude, just everything about her. Maybe just be like, yeah, I'd marry her without a second question. Kind no. of thing. So I see where you're coming from for sure. Yeah. So I'm not worried about, about it. I fully expect to have major crushes very soon. Yeah. But I, I am disappointed. Like I know he's your doctor, but like, oh. I think that guy is like super goofy looking. So I have a hard time with that. <laughs> and again, like I'm sure I'll come around because I know he's a good actor. And like I Dude, trust I was that- so mad about David Tennant leaving. I'm like, and they got this freaking guy that looks like a melted wax figure from a museum. That's actually what I said. And by the end of the first episode, I was in love with him. So what it's is, be a very what different is it idiot McSquishy face or something? <laughs> no, that was the guy playing Elrond on um on uh on Rings of Power. Oh yeah. Well, I think who was I young Ned, the same, by the way, was young Eddard Stark. I think the same, uh, I think the same applies. Like to me, I'm just like, that looks like idiot McSquishy face to me. So I am fully prepared to be sold though. I think he will sell you. He's very, very yeah. good. Actually, like watch if anybody watched the crown, he was really very serious on that. And he was very good on that as well. Even though, even though I kind of like dropped out in that show, cause I'm just not fascinated with the, uh, the English monarchy, like the rest of America is. But you know, no offense to any British viewers uh, with anything like like that. But uh, I don't have very much else. Uh, we're gonna talk about like some crossover actors. Uh, the actor who plays uh, oh god, was it Oshim 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 on Last Kingdom? He's playing Amon One Eye in this. So you got some crossover from some other shows that I really really like. So I'm always I, I do follow some actors. Sometimes yeah. I'm guilty of it. I'm just excited to have something to look forward to. I am one that I love the weekly drop and I'm assuming that's what they'll do. Cause it's HBO yeah, yeah, every Sunday. They're not even doing like multiple episodes. It's just one. Uh, and I know, I know that a lot of people are going to have that pushback, but like for years, I mean, well, three years or three seasons like that, like we spent my brothers and I, we would watch the episode and then we would get on like a, phone call like all of us together and I would pace around my the outside of my house because I'm a pacer when I talk on the phone and I would get in like 15,000 steps and we would talk about that episode and then the next morning I'd usually wake up and be like oh I forgot and this 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 and this and then we spend the rest of the week texting back and forth talking about it what we think the next episode is going to be like and I am just so excited to have that experience back because I don't know like I just miss talking about and analyzing and then also predicting like oh well since this happened i bet they'll do this next and i missed that experience so i'm excited for that i think the water cooler talk is something that i do appreciate i do prefer binging because of my life and my kids and things like that can't always set aside a specific hour of a certain day each week because they're unpredictable they're little time bombs you know you never know when they're going to go off especially right before school night you know that's going to be really really tough but I do think for something like this, it's great because it does pre- uh, pre- uh, present that idea of, uh, hey, we can talk about these things between it. And the best thing about this, guys, for me, is my wife hasn't read the prehistory stuff. Same. So I get to – I get to here's the TV. Here's her. I get to be like watching her reaction for some of these things. You know, That was one of my favorite things to do with non-readers with the original series. If they kill off this character, I'm done. I'm just sitting there like <laughs> – just waiting, you know, waiting for the meltdown. So I'm going to be very excited about that again. So, and obviously because we get to talk to each other after yeah, sure. the episode, you know, so, and us trying to not tell you guys what happens if you haven't read Fire and Blood. So <laughs> I think what we plan to do guys for that is we will be doing those live if we can, if we can all get on the same schedule uh, relatively quick. I, mean, I think all of us plan right now to watch each the, the new episode that night of. So maybe the next day, you know, give people time to watch it. And kind of do those live. Hopefully, hopefully people will be watching and they can, uh, you know, make comments and ask us questions and things like that and be a fun little time. So I'm excited about it. If anything, like I said in that video I did uh, yesterday, it was just that I'm just excited to be back in this world. You know, I'm really excited. I missed it. I really did. I feel like three years was a long enough postmortem that uh, we can allow ourselves to be ready to be heard again. Right. But uh, I'm I'm kind of a Scott. I feel like you're you're really going to have to try hard to ruin this storyline. I think I don't know if it'll have the mass appeal that apparently Game of Thrones did, but uh, I do think that people who are patient will probably end up really, really enjoying this. How many seasons do you think they got here? About three or four? Four or five would be my guess. 
I'm hoping for four and I'm hoping that they will kind of, you know, gauge the interest in this one and then maybe set up some, some follow-up shows that, you know, hop around the timeline. Like that's fine with me, but um, give us smaller, concise series that are well-written. They are written through the end, you know, start, you know, I hope that this show is written through its end right now. Like I don't want them writing things in between seasons. Like I want, I want a concise, small series that is well executed and well received. And then you can do that quality, you know, recipe over and over again, because there's lots of shows they could do, but not if they're trying to drag them out and wear out their welcome. They need to be concise and smart and well-written and then we'll just take more of those. Right. I, give me give me Duncan Conquer. Give me Duncan yeah. Egg. Yeah. Give me Duncan Egg. Yeah. Give me uh hell. Give me Doom of Valeria. You know, you really want to go crazy? With it. Give me Robert's Rebellion. I would yeah. say. Give me First Men. There's yeah. so many big moments that we have source material for guys mm-hmm. that they could do. So, uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. This is a big success. And uh, you yeah. know. They, they, they stop doing these little spinoff fanfic series and they start saying, hey, let's stick to what George wrote. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. So anything before we go, guys? I don't think so. No. All right. So then I guess we'll be talking uh, around August 21st is the premiere of the show. Hope you guys will be watching it and uh, we will be talking about it soon after. And I cannot wait to do it. I can't speak for the other two channels here, but lots of Thrones comments or Th- Song of Ice and Fire videos, content, not comments, coming on the channel for me. I do plan on talking about Fire and Blood soon. I'll probably be talking about Night of the Seven Kingdoms and kind of going through it timeline order on my slow but sure reread that I'm very, very excited about. You guys got any any, any uh, Song of Ice and Fire content in, in the pipe? I don't have any plans yet, but I'm sure there will be some coming. Um, I, I, I would like to talk about it. After vacation, Mads, you got anything anything coming? Nothing planned. I think you should do top 10 hottest characters. (laughs) Come on, that will get you clicks. That will get you clicks. (laughs) Make sure you do them in a tier list, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I could do that, but I I think people might unsubscribe because I have, like, weird taste. (laughs) I mean, we all do. We all do. I'll just leave it at that. So, guys... Thanks so much for watching, and uh, we will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you guys for joining me. Yeah, you Anytime. Bet.